I'm Paul Sutton, and this is Digital Download, the show where I talk to topic experts on digital marketing, social media, and public relations about the things that matter in today's communications industry. Back in 2013, I ran the social media profiles for the Crisps brand Golden Wonder. It was, and still is, a challenger brand, fighting to combat the dominant market share and media spend of walkers. After a few months of monitoring Facebook and Twitter, I noticed a small but vocal section of the public disproportionately hacked off by what they perceived to be the wrong colour of walkers' crisp packets. With Golden Wonder having the correct colours, blue for salt and vinegar and green for cheese and onion, we devised a campaign to trigger debate and poke a large stick at walkers. The Crunch Time campaign featured an online petition to change pack colours and a series of on-the-ground amnesties around the country and resulted in a year-on-year sales increase of 75%. The reason that campaign, which won several social media awards, worked was because it was based on insight. Insight into consumer behaviours and beliefs. And eight years later, it still stands up as a great example of understanding your audience and what you want to achieve, setting focused and measurable objectives, and devising a creative approach that ties that all together. Moreover, it illustrates the power of communications when it's evaluated effectively. So on the back of many other bigger and more famous campaigns like this, why does the thorny issue of measurement still plague the PR industry? Today's guest is someone who gets as frustrated as I do at times with this. Gemma Moroni is co-founder of Shook and has worked with the likes of Amic and the PRCA to address evaluation. She's from a planning background and is a firm believer that those with a planning mindset should be equally as celebrated as the creative directors who've become something of the rock stars of the PR world in the last five years. She says that we need those with a planning mindset to act as the creative director's foils and that the magic happens when the two thought processes come together and overlap. That kind of um, up front of the deck bit, as people say, was always the thing that fell most naturally to me. It's just the way that my brain works in terms of taking and organising information and turning that into a story, I would say, of how you're going to tackle a client's challenge the insight that you're going to use, the approach that you're going to take, why the creative route that you're suggesting is the right one and how you're going to measure the impact that you deliver. Gemma started as a secretary at H&K, which she says gave her a massive advantage as she spent a lot of time helping senior people write up their thinking. It gave her a unique perspective in terms of solving client problems and measuring impact. After moving up the account handling rank, she moved on to Frank PR and then Mischief, where she set up the agency's planning function. While in the latter role, she wrote a comms KPI guide for Isbar and a guide for Amec on planning. She set up Shook last year with her co-founder, Damon Statt. The reason that Damon and I, my co-founder, work so well together is I come at it from the planning point of view. He comes at it from the creative point of view. But I think I'd say, and I actually hate the phrase creative strategist, but I'd say I am creative, but I come at it from a planning point of view. And he'd say he's, he is strategic, but he comes at it from a creative point of view. There's long been a school of thought that many have bought into that you're either creative or logical. It's art or analysis, sport or statistics, writing or reporting. Even my kids seem to buy into it in their schooling. But is it the case that in PR circles, you're a special breed of person if you're into the planning side? 
this is a bit of an odd question because it sounds <laughs> obvious when you ask it, but have you seen evidence as you've gone through of some people being more suited to that side of things than others? Because and I say it sounds odd because the whole left brain, right brain thing, you know, you have creative people, you have more logical people, whatever. But have you seen people trying to get a grip of the planning side, but seemingly being, I was going to say incapable, but you know what I mean, struggling <laughs> with that side of things? I, I definitely think it comes more naturally um, to some people than others. And I don't think it is necessarily one or the other. Um, I don't think it necessarily is this left brain, right brain thing. Mm. I think it's about, are you interested in brands, mm -hmm. um, which have always been, I say, I sometimes I think I'm more interested in brands than I am in people, which is kind of ironic <laughs> if you're being a planner, <laughs> yeah. um, if a planner should be the voice of the audience. But I think there are some people that are more naturally suited to it. So are you interested in brands? Are you interested in people? Can you see what an insight is? Can you take that insight and turn it into a clear and simple approach to tackle a challenge? And can you understand how you're going to be able to demonstrate that you've achieved against that challenge? I have people that will sometimes come to me for advice and they they know what the idea is. They know what it's going to deliver, but they just can't put it into words in terms of why it's the right answer. So some people do really struggle with it. And I think it is it is having a brain that likes to organize information, I would say. And that's not in a sort of really kind of cold and logical way, because actually one of the things that I think um, is very much missing sometimes is remembering that it's about people. <laughs> yeah. Um, but some people do, do struggle with, they know what the right answer is, but how do they actually articulate it? Gemma became involved with AMIC and industry measurement while at Mischief, working on a national trust campaign. I've done two I would say projects for them and I'm very much a you know a supporter of theirs and over I suppose the the last sort of three years or so when I was at Mischief we we won a lot of AMEC awards as well mm. for effectiveness so the main two things that I helped AMEC on were firstly this guide for ISBAR so basically Tracy Dunn who was at ISBAR at the time wanted a better way to help ISBAR's I guess quite advertising focused clients to be able to understand how they should use comms beyond just advertising okay. how they should set kpis and how they should measure effectiveness so we worked with isbar amec and the prca um, and pr week to write this guide for isbar and then actually we presented it to their procurement group as well which i mean we could have a separate conversation on this which i think is sort of much underlooked actually as a way to make sure that effective measurement is kind of shared I was going to say socialized that's horrible isn't it it's shared <laughs> within client organizations mm -hmm. um, and then the second project was writing this planning primer guide uh, which was about this push to make sure that communications is planned first rather than just done and I mean has that role given you more visibility of what people and agencies are doing in the in the world of measurement evaluation from my perspective obviously I talk to clients and and, and I see what they're doing but I don't have a, a wide perspective I, I obviously my, my field of view is limited to who I'm talking to who I'm working with has that given you a wider field of view than perhaps others have had I think to some extent and you know just 
just so we're clear and I'm not doing anyone a disservice in terms of role it it was basically as a member of EMEC being supportive of their work and trying to help spread that best practice within the industry but yes I would say you know absolutely for me it was very valuable in terms of looking at how other organizations are using best practice and for me you know one of the organizations that I think does an amazing job in terms of planning deploying and measuring and evaluating comms in the round is the government communication service I think they do an absolutely fantastic job in having one standard for everybody getting people up to speed on it having consistent but best practice across departments and colleagues um, I think they do a fantastic job with it another example um, and an organization that helped when we were working on the planning primer was the World Bank again you know really simple clear to follow processes for planning delivering and evaluating their comms um, and you know when I talk about that kind of in the round I think and I know you you talked about this in a podcast back in July is the idea of if we have a challenge to fix what's the right answer in the round using everything that we have at our disposal not what's the right answer because that's the thing that I do Um, and I think that's something that we have tried to be conscious of in setting up Shook is we say we want to give you the right answer to the real problem and we work across creative communications and campaigning because we want to see what the challenge is and how to fix a brand or business or behavior challenge rather than just say oh the answer is you know this channel or this discipline yeah and as something that I've observed, actually not so much recently, but I think, you know, if I go back, say, 18 months, there was a big feeling among PR people, or some PR people, should I say, that PR is the answer. In other words, whatever your problem is, Mr. Client, PR is the answer, uh, which always used to do my head in because I think PR is not always the answer. Um, but it sounds like that that in the round thing is is kind of linked to that, really. Yeah, exactly. And I, I again sort of fangirl over GCS, but I think if you go and read <laughs> GCS case studies, there's a great one that comes to mind for the Ministry of Justice about recruiting prison officers. Mm-hmm. That is clearly not going to be solved with one discipline, with just PR or just advertising or just search or just local recruitment banner ads it's a really good example of how they understood what their challenge was overall for the audience in terms of it's a relatively difficult role to try and recruit people into they understood the types of people and the skills that they would have that were transferable and therefore the people that they should be going after where they might be and then they used a combination of different channels to achieve what they set out to and the other thing that they were very good at is seeing what was working best whilst the campaign was in flight so that they could optimize it. Yeah, okay. So (laughs) that's a long answer to say, no, PR isn't necessarily always going to be the answer. I think it's about understanding what the challenge is and the best way to approach it. And then looking at the range of different approaches, channels, tactics that could solve the problem and putting the best combination of those things together and I think you know certainly Damon and I always talk about coming up with the best answer or the best idea not the best idea for PR or 
the best idea for cert for example it's what's the best idea in terms of how to tackle this and then how is that deployed effectively yeah so going back to before the pandemic so so let's go back to the end of 2019 where do you think the industry was with measurement at that time because it seems to me that it's I wouldn't say dropped off the radar but it's not been as important a topic over the last year perhaps understandably but if we go back to before the pandemic, how do you think we were doing with measurement at that time? <laughs> the easy answer is it depends. Okay. So I think, again, if you think about some of the organisations that I've mentioned, or there are many AMEC members who I think do an excellent job. For example, there's a brilliant hotspot of really savvy measurement and evaluation in Manchester um, Mm -hmm. with uh, Smoking Gun, IC and PR Agency One are actually all, I would say, sort of leaders in terms of what best um, practice looks like. Obviously, there are some of the uh, bigger kind of networked agencies involved as well. I think there's just inconsistency and it it frustrates me because, to be honest, I think this has been the case the whole time that I've been in the industry, so 20 plus years, is there's always this ongoing debate about measurement and evaluation. And to me, the answers are already there. There's best practice. It's take the best practice, keep up with it and stop having this endless debate. (laughs) But this industry is renowned for having endless debates about stuff, let's face (laughs) it. There are certain topics that just go round and round and round. And I guess this is probably one of them. And maybe I'm just adding to that by, by doing this show. But I mean, have you seen things change over the last year 18 months because as I say I I think my perspective is that this conversation around evaluation has has taken a back seat probably because I mean let's face it a lot of agencies have been dealing with just surviving let alone anything else and the whole thing about proving our worth and, uh, and all that conversation that was happening seems to have died away a bit I'm not sure if that's a a good thing or a bad thing but what's your perspective on on whether things have changed and what that means now? Yeah, so I think over the last year or so, it's obviously been a very odd time. And certainly from my personal perspective in terms of the work that we've done, it's actually either fallen into more short term. So how do we do what we want to do now that we're working in this context of a pandemic? Yeah. Or it's actually been really long term. So absolutely nothing to do with the pandemic. How do we redefine or define for the first time the purpose of an organisation that's been around for 30 plus years for a variety of different reasons, including how we talk about ourselves and how we engage our employees. So we've had this um, interesting spectrum in terms of the type of work that we've done over the past year or so. I think If you think about that from a measurement point of view, I would assume that because there's been a much bigger thing going on in the world, then yes, it has taken a back seat. And I Mm -hmm. would also expect that across the board, people have been having to deal with and deliver work that is much more short term is for understandable reasons be they having to be much more agile or just deal with sort of firefighting what's happening right there but this short-termism thing I think has been around pre-covid and I don't think it's just a PR thing I think that 
it's probably a, com- a combination of different factors from sort of digital and performance and I'm not doing them down through to how long sort of marketing directors are in their post I think there's much more focus on sort of short term rather than long-term measurement okay and that like you said there's there's inconsistency there anyway because some are doing it well and some are not doing it well with with that short-term thinking is the industry lagging behind the likes of advertising and other other disciplines? Is it a case that we're just not keeping up? Because I, I know some people who would say, well, actually, we've, we've made great strides in this area over the last year or two. But then the assumption is almost that the ad industry, ad industry has stood still in that time. Now, my perspective, and I, I think this is yours, is that, no, the ad industry has continued to progress. So, yeah, we've progressed, but so have they. So we're still playing catch up. Does that make sense? Yeah. So my point of view is that, number one, I think there's not enough investment or onus versus what there is in the the ad industry specifically. And I've worked twice in integrated groups. So actually worked day in, day out with advertising colleagues. And I think bottom layer there's the fact that there is plenty of evidence out there to talk about how earned media and other types of media beyond paid media contribute to brand metrics and business objectives. Mm -hmm. There's this assumption always that we're starting from having to prove that we're not rubbish and that proof is already out there. Right. Then I, I would personally like to see more investment in terms of growing that bank of evidence in a way that, again, the IPA, for example, would do particularly for paid media. I think there's plenty of good things happening from, you know, the likes of Amec and, you know, suppliers, but I think more could be done generally within the industry. And then I think the third thing is, and I know you had a discussion about whether is PR sort of tactical or a strategic discipline. I think where sort of PR or earned or whatever you want to call it is different to advertising is generally the bulk of advertising is advertising to consumers to one build brands and two drive sales that's basically what it does Mm -hmm. whereas PR or earned or reputation management is so broad in terms of the sectors that it works for the audiences that it's talking to the objectives that it's setting out to achieve the tactics that it might use to get there that I think it's very difficult to give one answer to that if that makes sense. Yeah it does absolutely and I, I, I completely agree with you that the scope of this industry is very broad and it's it's not always easy to measure stuff either you know for example I'm, I'm working with a charity at the moment and have been for a while and the outcomes of that work and the impact on on that charity is difficult to measure because it's it's one tiny little piece of this big puzzle of of raising awareness about the issue of this case modern slavery and you know getting donations in and are people talking about them more and it's a tiny little sliver of everything they do so it's not always easy to measure but something you said there I think is quite interesting you said that we're continually having to prove that we're not rubbish (laughs) which I think is a brilliant phrase but I know people out there who believe that PR has now proved its worth because of everything that's happened in the last year and because 
the advertising model suffered and people didn't want to be advertised to. So advertising budgets fell and PR kind of stepped up and the communications role became more important. And I do know people who think that the last year has proved PR's worth once and for all. And it's it's an argument that I just don't buy into because, because now things are getting more back to, uh, everyone hates the phrase normal, but you know what I mean. <laughs> the advertising role steps in again and that's where you can target sales perhaps easily more easily should i say i mean what are your thoughts on that do you think we have now taken a step to proving our worth or was that just a you know a once in a lifetime thing and it'll be quickly forgotten i don't know the answer to that i think it's really hard to answer because over the last year or so, yes, I think there have been lots of benefits for PR. So in terms of, for example, agility, but also in terms of things like navigating crisis, we've also seen, and if you see this as um, a function of PR and reputation, which I think it absolutely is and can be, things like purpose and ESG come into the fore as well and not just with the pandemic but with the climate crisis so yes I think there's lots of positives but I also think there's still lots to do. One of the questions I'm asked most often when I run training sessions on social media marketing is how best to publish monitor and analyze social profiles. Without the right software, it's a time-consuming job, especially when we're all doing so many other things as part of our job roles. About 10 years ago, I discovered Agorapulse, an all-in-one solution to social media management, and I've used it and recommended it to clients ever since. So I'm delighted to offer listeners of Digital Download a one-month trial of Agorapulse for free. Head to agorapulse.com forward slash digital download to sign up, and then revel in all that spare time you just created. An article published recently by Karma talked about how measurement is more important than simply proving worth. It cited that full evaluation of work helps people feel more fulfilled in their jobs and that the industry will therefore attract better people. I totally bought into the idea behind that because I know when when I worked in agencies, or it was a few years ago now, but if I was working on something where perhaps the measurement side of things, the link to the business goals, I mean, specifically wasn't up to scratch. My own motivation for that project would just be a lot lower. And I've, I've, since I've been a consultant, it's something that I want to dig out with every single project when I start is what are we actually trying to achieve here? You know, forget the the metrics around it, what are we trying to achieve for the business? And without that, it feels very empty I'm assuming you would buy into that totally, that that mindset of if we're going to bring people through this industry, they've got to understand the value of what they're doing to a business. Yes. Yeah, I think I, I, I agree with that point of view. And I think that's that's been something that has been certainly talked about since I've been in the industry, perhaps not in those same terms. But everybody knows, you know, if you ask somebody to do a task it's much better to understand where that task fits into the bigger picture Mm -hmm. um, rather than just that you're doing a task and I think the same applies helping people to understand what the overall business or could be organizational goal is I think helps everybody to understand why they're doing what they're doing and helps everybody to understand why they're delivering 
against an activity in a certain way. So I totally buy into that. I think there's there's this additional element of increasingly seeing younger people coming into the industry who want to feel that they're also making a positive impact. And actually, yep. one of the things that um, having done sort of various workshops and things over the last 12 months for students or people newly into the industry is actually they love the idea that this industry, comms industry, is the place to do that. Right. And I think they have, certainly the people that we've spoken to, have a real optimism about, I mean, some of the people that we've met over the last 12 months, you just, you know, you they're, I don't know, 21, 22, whatever, and you kind of read their CVs or look at them on LinkedIn before you talk to them. And they're, you know, they're amazing, smart people who've done so many things you know during the course of their university or whatever and their side hustles and all this sort of thing and actually they're full of optimism to come into the comms industry because they've got essentially superpowers and they want to use them within the industry and I think that's really exciting. Which is a lovely place actually that's a lovely place to be to to, to hear that that is happening um, you know that that's a really positive thing. Do you think we're as an and again, I accept that there is inconsistency in this question, but do you think as a whole, the industry is in a good place when it comes to the measurement issue, if we call it that? And and, and what's next? Where do we go next with it? I think I would say it could be in a better place. So it goes back to the things that we talked about already. So best practice already exists, use it. There is plenty of evidence, whether it's from IPA papers or industry organizations or indeed from clients or agencies that are doing really, really great work in this area to isolate and prove the impact of comms. There are also plenty of people, I think, doing it without even knowing they're doing it. Mm-hmm. So for example, if you speak to, you know, somebody that works in capital markets, which is not my area of expertise, they know very, very easily whether or not they've met their goal but they will probably never talk about it in sort of measurement and evaluation terms, if that makes sense. So um, I think how we talk about it is also really important. And then I think the final thing is accepting that there is this broad church, that there can be communication that is longer term, more strategic, and there can be things that are short term and that look like they're just sort of generating noise but both of those two things what they need to be doing is laddering up to clear objectives and a wider business or organizational impact so you know for example and I know this will be the example that lots of people talk about at the moment if you think about the Weetabix beans on Bix idea that Frank did you know, you it's almost like, well, you don't need to measure that to know that that went well, right? <laughs> because it was everywhere. And, and that's great that it was everywhere. But actually, what I like about that is it's not just a random thing that they did to get lots of people talking. It's actually connected to something that's been a much longer term strategy for Weetabix that is part of a much bigger business issue that they're trying to tackle which is giving you lots of different ways to eat Weetabix so that you're not bored of it <laughs> I'm, I'm guessing I'm paraphrasing <laughs> so I think one of the talks that I went to a couple of years ago um, by uh, Walk which is 
I guess, a kind of organisation for planners by Peter Field was about not wasting creativity and how creativity can be wasted on short-termism. And for me, something like that Beans on Bix idea is a short-term idea, but it's not wasting creativity because it's connected to a longer-term strategy and to a wider business objective. Right. That makes sense. Absolutely. If people, if, if there's someone out there listening to this and thinking, okay, well, I want to up my game or I want to explore more and ensure I am working to that that best practice that you've talked about. Where do they go to, to, to kind of find out more about that? I would go and look at the AMEC website. Um, their resources are freely available if you're not a member. And I would also look at the GCS website, so Government Communication Service, again, all of their resources are freely available. Their model is very similar to the AMEC model. And we haven't touched on this, but in terms of getting people to think about outputs, outtakes, outcomes, impact, not just outputs. Mm -hmm. And within those two sites, you'll find some really good models to use. And you'll also find some really good case studies of them in action. And I think that would be a really good place to start something going back to the point about in the round I would say about both of them is they're not specific to one peso channel they allow you to think about things in the round and I think that's really important too um I feel like I should give a plug for my own work I'm going to do a a terrible cheeky plug (laughs) so something that we've been working on recently just to illustrate that model to you is around helping a charity called adult cp hub and they support adults with cerebral palsy if you're an adult with cerebral palsy when you're 18 all of the wonderful joined up healthcare that you've had as a child stops and people describe it as falling off the edge of a cliff in terms of healthcare. Nice guidelines have existed to give joined up healthcare provision for adults with CP since 2019 and adopting them would add £422 million to the economy, but they haven't been adopted. The charity has been trying for a long time to get attention onto this and what they really want in terms of impact is they want the nice guidelines to be adopted. What we did for them was create a campaign using their amazing report and insight, which was positioning adults with cerebral palsy as being treated like second class citizens. Because when we saw that the NICE guidelines haven't been adopted, honestly, we were like, how is this how is this even legal that somebody with a disability (laughs) isn't getting the healthcare that literally is written in the NICE guidelines that they should be getting? So we made these mock second class stamps with six amazing celebrities. So Rosie Jones, Lost Voice Guy, Francesca Martinez, David Smith and Tegan Vincent cook and we launched the stamps obviously actually made them for real set of mock stamps sent them out to media did loads of amazing broadcast interviews with our spokespeople working with broadcast revolution and we gave the community the people that are supported by adult cp something to share on social and something for obviously all of our celebrity stakeholders etc to share on social so lots of outputs and outtakes in terms of what we're trying to do but what we actually want to happen is for the NICE guidelines to be adopted. So we were doing those things and making that noise and giving people something to talk about and getting attention on it, not just for noise, but actually for action. So what success will be for us is 
and this is an ongoing campaign, is when we get those NICE guidelines adopted. Mm -hmm. And at present, there are promising signs, let's say, in terms of getting the attention of the right people who can actually make the change happen. But you could just stop at making some noise about it. And, you know, that's great publicity, but that isn't the end goal. The end goal is about getting these NICE guidelines adopted. So I would I would use them that model to think about what does the business or organization need to achieve and how do I work backwards to outputs from that? So how do I go impact, outcome, outtakes, outputs and back up through that model in order to get there? So kind of reverse engineer your campaign from that impact. If you'd like to chat to Gemma about the show, look her up on Twitter or LinkedIn. You can subscribe to Digital Download on iTunes, Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. And if you like the show, please do leave a review as this helps others discover the podcast. Thanks for listening and I'll see you next time.